us, the relationship between science, film, and media has long been intertwined. We're here to dissect that relationship, turning it inside out for all to see. And throughout the years, one truth has revealed itself. You don't need good science to make a good movie. But it sure makes it better! Hi everyone and welcome to the Real Science Podcast, the podcast where three highly qualified professionals pick a movie and then pick apart the science. My name is Kevin Smith. My name is Sean Crossan. My name is Michael Pace. This is our New Year's episode, everybody. The last one you heard was just a, a bonus episode, fun for the whole family. So what we're going to do is we're going to rate last year. Are you guys <laughs> fucking ready? Oh God. Uh, sure. Sean, why don't you lead us off and give a rating for 2017? For 2017. I'd like you to rate the science and then rate the the overall year, the year feel, the mouth feel of the year. The science in 2017. Um, I would say that the science um, is about uh, 2017 out of <laughs> out of 2017. I don't. I have no idea how I'm supposed to rate the so you're science. You're giving it a five, a five out of five. Five out of five for the science. It was a great year for science, except for any retracted papers. I'm except for anyone, <laughs> any labs that had retracted papers. Yeah, but aside from that, I'm sure everything was great. Perfect. All right. Uh, the oh, wait, year, sorry, year as a whole was uh, was about was fine. Fine personally, it was fine for me. Oh, it was good for you. Okay. Sure, there were a lot of global events that people didn't like, but you know, whatever. Global, I, I was fine, I guess. Global, local. I'm still in grad school. Will you give us a rating? Three out of five. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Perfect. Pace, yeah. I want to hear your nihilistic view of the world. Let's do it. Well, okay. Do you really want to know what I actually think? Yes. I don't I mean, go. But I don't go on Twitter, so I have this like childlike. I mean, oh, yeah, you, you have know. a childlike glee about you. Yeah. <laughs> in regards to the science of the world that we live in. Uh, I'm going to try to speak about this while speaking in the least amount of political terms as possible. Oh, God. Um, I mean, we have I can a situation. We, we, si- <laughs> we have a situation where uh, we are reducing the regulations that the EPA has to put into order. We have a situation where the CDC can't use the terms diversity and science based. Um, we're in a we're in a bit of a pickle, getting, science pickle. Getting a little tense there, basically. We have. I know. I'm like. I'm I just, can see my the face is clenching. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. okay. Just, no. <laughs> you look like an angry Mel Gibson. I so have, you just look like Mel Gibson. <laughs> you just look like Mel Gibson. <laughs> Let me roll it back. They'll never take our freedom. Let me roll it back. Okay, there were lots of significant advances in science that we should be excited about, but we shouldn't be excited for the respect and view that the layman on average in America has towards science compared to other first world countries. That's what we're trying to do, baby. We're trying to make it better. I agree. I agree. That's, yeah, one, of our, that's one of our goals. Um, in regards to the... Wait, give me so a science rating. I'm going to okay. give a, a one out of five for 2017. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, that's, I'm that's... also going to give... I, so you you want a, like a personal rating for me in the mm-hmm. whole yeah, year? Yeah, yeah, Rate the year for me. For 2017? Um I'm also going to give it a, a one a one out of five. Wow, I just don't like. Wow. I'm, just not a, I'm a pretty positive person. Well, general, you said so. you don't go on Twitter. Paces on Twitter a lot. I don't. I don't go on Twitter. Yeah. I don't know. I th- I think that I'm just. I get really bogged down by ideological and philosophical things that piss me off. Do you want a hug? Well, we can hug. We can hug later. I mean, we were gonna. We, can hug, we were gonna hug right on the podcast if you want. Everybody, get ready for the do first want, on do you want a hug. hug? Oh, oh, it's beautiful. Hug, noise, hug, noise, hug, noise. I know you guys can't see stuff. it, but it's right. beautiful. I think it's a two out of five now. 
Okay, good. Two out of five. 2018 now. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. Uh, Collaborate 18. Let's get shit done. Okay. Nice. I honestly don't know why our New Year's episode is going to go up in February, but hey. (laughs) It's it's not going up in February. It's going up in January. Just, you know, at the tail end of January. Okay. It's going up at the. Okay. We'll do better next year. But so I have to ask you then, I guess, what rate your New Year's stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to give the. I'm going to try and step away from the political stuff because, again, like Sean. I try and stay off the interstate, and so I don't look at this, like, bad stuff that's circulating around on did it. Did you say the interstate? I sure did. Uh, <laughs> I want to give it a 5 out of 5, because CryoEM won the Nobel Prize in 2017. That's very cool. Oh, and I think okay. that's awesome. That is very cool. Yeah. I didn't see, obviously you can tell I don't read anything, because I, I don't actually know what was going on in 2017. That's okay. I understand. Um, You're in grad school. Yeah, so what, what would you rate? the year uh, as far as a personal rating goes i'm gonna give it a five out of five because i good. got married last year hey awesome. i got married i jumped out of a plane and like did a bunch of cool stuff that I <laughs> and now this is the ghost of kenan yeah to you. <laughs> real quick before we get into the podcast do you guys have any new year's resolutions um i'm gonna lose 20 pounds hell yeah no dude. i'm not no i, oh, I don't okay. know um i mean you're I, perfect the way you are, honestly so. i really just want to graduate yeah, this year i feel that i mean i i also want to graduate i think that Actually, my New Year's resolution, though, is just to be to be just a little bit more organized with with my life, uh, and to spend more time not worrying. Does that oh, make sense? That's good. That makes a lot of yeah, sense. That's really good. Because I feel like it's gonna be better for your ulcers or whatever. Yeah, I don't know if I have those, but like, <laughs> you have ulcers. You could be drinking Sterno, and that'll make them better. Thank you. I, is that how that works? Yeah, it's uh, that's what the our, guy did in what uh, was his name? Chunk Jenkins. That's what Chunk Jenkins Chunk from a drop of Yes, yes. Glug glug glug. That lighter fluid. Um, Catering is way to death. I don't know. I think it's just you, you get you spend so much time worrying that then you realize that you're not actually doing things that you enjoy. So there you go. That's a problem. Uh, get that positive outlook, dude. All right, Deal. Kenan, New Year's resolution. So I want to put on 25 pounds, so I'm going to work out a lot. But I really want to make a New Year's resolution for our podcast right now. We are going to cut our episodes down to not an hour and a half, which... Uh, seems counter to what we've been doing this whole time, which is talking about not a movie. Uh, and listeners, we're also, we also have been talking about starting a Patreon now to sort of, you know, keep people from streaming at us on the internet. We're not really out here to try to make any money, and I don't think at this point we're going to be rolling in cash based on, uh, based on our sweet, sweet audio content that we're putting out at the moment. But, <laughs> Uh, we've been asked by a couple people, uh, whether or not we have a Patreon. So we figure what's the harm in starting one up, uh, especially since, you know, if we do get a couple bucks, we can spend it on better equipment and we won't be using our current setup, which is chip clipping a bunch of foam together behind our blue mic (laughs) up on Sean's kitchen table. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think we're going to try that. So, I mean, if you guys want to give us any feedback, great. I mean, if there's this huge public outcry, then I guess we won't do it. But otherwise, I think we're planning on setting one up. So if you guys want to give us a couple bucks, sweet. The main reason we are starting this is just because people have requested it. The podcast is going to be free. It's always free. We're not trying to make money off the podcast. But people have requested that we start a Patreon because they would like to donate to it, and we're not going to, you know, yeah. look a gift horse in the mouth here. So. The, other, the other thing we're going to try and do, too, is that um, all of us theoretically will be graduated by the end of 2018. Um, we're not going to stop doing the podcast, so we might try and take this weekly if we can. Um, depending on what our schedules look like post UF. But the other thing that we're going to try and do is if the Patreon takes off, we might start and try and try and do some bonus content, which, you know, talk about different scientific uh, ideas and topics and things like that. Like Ken and Shana said, we'll have a lot more time and we can create bonus content that might even relate to 
the scientific content relating to uh, popular television shows. Yeah. Or, uh, we'll have more time to do stuff. We'll have more time to do things, and we can create more content for, for, for Patreon listeners and those who want to donate. Uh, and to reiterate this for a third time, we love doing this just for the sake of creating extra content in addition to what we do as graduate students. Yep. We're not here to make money. Yeah, I mean, um, if we had to record on a shitty microphone for the rest of our lives because we can't make money, then sweet, whatever. We would do it. Uh, we just like the sound of our own voices. Yeah, I, I didn't even hit record yet. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of recording, Sean, what movie did we watch this week? All right, so this week we watched The Happening, which What's if happening? you have seen this movie, I'm really sorry that you had to watch this movie. Uh, <laughs> but if you haven't, it's a movie starring Mark Wahlberg, Zoe Deschanel, John Leguizamo. Rerun. Uh, yes, yes. Okay. John Leguizamo and other people. And <laughs> essentially, it's an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Split was also an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Except Split was a good M. Yes, Night Shyamalan movie. Split was a good movie. movie. So Split was an okay M. Night Shyamalan movie. It was definitely better than this. So <laughs> That's true. Rotten Tomatoes gave an 18%, and we did pay $4.99. Well deserved. We did pay $3.99 to rent this. So yeah. Mark... Wahlberg is still cashing these checks from yeah. from the happening. But Absolutely. And Mark, we're coming after you because we want our five dollars <laughs> yeah, back. Seriously. But to some like the entire plot in two sentences, essentially, there is some uh northeastern US specific event where individuals just start killing themselves out of nowhere. And it's thought to be a terrorist attack, but the whole movie is Mark Wahlberg and his like core family group trying to escape from the circumstances that are around them. All right. Before we get launched into this, Pace, give us some fucking disclaimers. <laughs> do you want to know the bad, bad things about this podcast? I do. I want to know the nasty things. The we bad, get bad things? Yeah. We we use Poop Mouth. We do. We have bad it's, mouths. It's an app that I have on my phone that uh, it transmits things that I say into poop things. And <laughs> oh, Okay, like a Google Chrome extension, basically. Absolutely. Okay, and sense. so you know you have like your Google Chrome extension for like Spanish and German. Mm-hmm. I have poop. I have the poop subtype. Just everything poop. Just you have the poop subtype. Everything poop. You play poop class in D&D. Yep. Sean, you want to finish our disclaimer? So I, I think in lieu of a disclaimer, if we just say the word poop about 50 more times, people will get the picture, right? People just stop listening. Because I, oh, okay. All right. So the disclaimer is uh, with the podcast, there might be some light cursing, sometimes some profanity. It's because we uh, are grad students and we drink beer when we record this sometimes and it's late at night and we honestly just curse in our day-to-day lives highly disgruntled 100 the other disclaimer that i want to give for this movie specifically is that you know i don't know who's necessarily listening to this uh, podcast but it is an r-rated movie there are lots of topics of people committing suicide or self-harm so obviously if this is something that like is something you don't want to listen to just be be aware of that that we're going to discuss it if it triggers you just be aware. Just yeah, be aware just be that aware. that's going to happen. So if you don't listen to it, not a problem. But if you do, then listen on. Listen away. All right. So don't let your kids listen. Unless your kids can hang. Unless your kids can hang. Exactly. Yeah. Sweet. Sean, why don't you do the honors? I know you never get to go through the plot of the movie. Oh, so all right. Well, finally I get to start talking on this podcast. Finally, for oh. once. All right. Step up the plate. We open on a high school class. No, it actually starts... Um, <laughs> Smash cut. The movie starts in New York City in Central Park. There are people in the park doing their day-to-day things, and then all of a sudden, something weird happens. The wind blows, everybody stops what they're doing, and people start just killing themselves. Yep. So the one character that you actually see murdering themselves is they just, like, stab a... Yeah, a a hairpin. A hairpin. Into her neck. Through her neck. Yep. And Uh, her friend who's sitting beside her... Uh, which I think Pace uh, recognized from House of Cards. 
Yeah, I did. She's an actress from House of Cards who is dating Peter Russo, the congressman from Pennsylvania. Holy, I'm actually amazed that you recognized her in lieu of all the other human style mistakes that you made for the rest of the I'm well, amazed that you're so far back in House of Cards because I forgot who Peter Russo was. Well, no, I've, I've made it that far in House of Cards. I just remember that actress because she was a good actress. Oh, okay. so. Either way, for whatever reason, she's immune to wind germs or whatever it's going on at this point. In the <laughs> for movie. like five minutes. For like, Yeah, she just watches everyone else around her be affected by this thing when she's not affected. We don't get an explanation for that. At this point, it cuts to a bunch of construction workers all telling a joke that we only get half of, so it wasn't funny, so I don't know why it was in the movie. Um, a person falls off the building be- beside him. Eventually, this continues to happen. Uh, the main guy, main construction worker, looks up and says, like, Mother of God, and there's all these bodies falling off the roof. Yeah. So there's these people jumping off the side of this building. So at this point, we're like, what's going on? What's happening? And then the movie <laughs> cuts to Marky Mark. Our old boy teaching a science class. Our old boy, Marky Mark. All right, boy, so Marky, Marky Mark, Mark is with his funky bunch, and he's teaching <laughs> them all about bees. Honeybees. And he's just talking about, like, oh, bees have disappeared. Like, what are some hypotheses of why the bees are gone? And it's not important to the plot, and people just say a bunch of shit about why the bees are gone. What was that one weird kid? Oh, he said global warming, but he said, like, global, global warming. warming. <laughs> he said it like he was on horse tranquilizers. <laughs> so there's this... I don't know. Mark Wahlberg's teaching. He's a science teacher, which is just funny from the start, yeah, right? Yeah. Mark Wahlberg's teaching. Not like he's not a smart guy or anything. It's just Mark Wahlberg does not get cast as a science teacher. Yeah, anymore. it was just a little weird. So Mark Wahlberg is sitting there in his class talking about the bees. And there's this one kid who's, you know, sort of the teenage heartthrob. He's like, yeah, oh, I'm yeah. too cool for science. Just sitting there. Jonathan so in order to, <laughs> this is in order to get him to offer a suggestion of why the bees are missing. He tells him that his ears and his nose are going to continue growing yeah, for yeah. the rest of his life and he's not going to look as cute in 10 years. Yeah, he literally <laughs> shits on him for not li- liking science and then makes fun of him for and being And then says, attractive. like, you've peaked in high school, bud. You better start liking science. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, and he gives him some answer like, we don't have a science explanation for that. It's he's just like, a natural phenomenon. Exactly. And so then, this is the the weird part of this whole thing. So Mark Wahlberg is established as a science teacher for about, like, one minute. Yeah. And then he goes into this thing saying, like, the science books will make up some excuse for why it happened. But in the end, it's all just a theory. Like... <laughs> oh, do, do you mean, like, the theory of gravity? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, yes, he's... Basically, exactly like Mark that. Wahlberg, the science teacher, is dismissing scientific theories in about one minute of his credibility as a science yeah, teacher. Yeah, we're like so, eight minutes into the movie and this happens. Yeah, it, I don't even think we need to talk about how bogus that is for yeah. that long, but it's just crazy that he even addresses that. Right? Yeah, so. it's weird because he's pitched as a science teacher. Right. So at this point, they pull him out of the classroom. Uh, the, I assume, principal or another administrator pulls him yeah, out, principal. brings him and the remaining, uh, the other teachers out and into the gymnasium where everyone's crowded around uh, Alan Ruck, whom I know everyone here definitely recognized from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Um, yep. And I guess Twister. I don't know what else he's in. Uh, Wait, he's in Twister? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. The sequel to... Um, sister, Sister. Wizard of... <laughs> sister Twister. Sister Twister. Twister Sister. Twister Sister. Either way, Alan Twister, Rock... Twister, <laughs> You have to stop. It's Twister and Twister. <laughs> Tamara. 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 <laughs> Twister and Twister. Mowry. Alan Rock tells them that there's been a terrorist attack in New York when he's, re- he's referring to this thing that happened in Central Park, right? He tells yeah. the teachers, tells them not to freak out the students, but we have to send everyone home and people are advised to evacuate Philly, which I, like, I guess maybe get away from major cities if there's a terrorist attack. 
But Sean made the point that, like, there wouldn't be any real reason for them to tell everyone to get the hell out if there was an attack in a different city. Right. They literally found out, like, oh, a bunch of people spontaneously committed suicide in New York. We should leave Philly. It yep. doesn't really make any sense. But, again, the movie's not that great. That's so. true. Philly's, like, what, a couple hours from New York? Yeah, I mean, they, sure. It's, like, a close metropolitan city, but there's, like, places between New York City and Philly. Well, and, you know, based upon current knowledge of relevant bioterrorist attacks there's still no reason to leave philadelphia with new york gets hit right, right? it's still a ways away it's yeah. not like some toxin that was presented in new york is gonna like float through the air currents over to right philly so anyways that's their cobbled together excuse to get out of philly so yep. um so either way they evacuate all the students right mark Wahlberg goes home he meets with, meets up with his friend john Liguizamo. Who complains about his uh, complains about Marky Mark's wife? There's like some tension there. It's not really important for the story. Marky Mark goes home. Zoe Deschanel is watching the news, and on the news, a reporter mentions uh, something about this like being possibly some sort of chemical that blocks a self-preservation mechanism, is what she calls it, within the human brain that is like held in place by this cascade of neurotransmitters and there's this idea that uh for whatever reason this chemical is disrupting this cascade and it's basically turning on i guess like a suicide pathway right um, as our resident neurohuman pace do you want to tell us a little bit more about neurotransmitters and why this is bullshit yeah absolutely i mean i, I think that well first off neurotransmitters you might have heard of some of these mm-hmm. before like uh dopamine serotonin or serotonin uh you know many antidepressive Drugs work through enhancing the activity of serotonin and dopamine as well. Uh, and basically how neurotransmitters work is this is just a basic chemical that allows your brain cells to talk to one another. I mean, and certain neurotransmitters are responsible for certain things. Like, for example, there's one that's called glutamate, mm-hmm. which is responsible for activating whichever neuron receives the glutamate. There's one called GABA, which is responsible for decreasing or turning off the one that receives it. So oh, we have Gabba a, Gabba. So Gabba 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 Camellia. Stop. <laughs> so when you have all these neurotransmitters in your brain, the reason they bring these up is this is a fun buzzword for, oh, this is how your brain works through these chemical messengers. Sure. In regards to established neuroscience, uh, there definitely are certain areas of the brain that might be associated with your more primitive instincts. Mm-hmm. Uh, like your your need for food and water, uh, your fight or flight response for being threatened by something. So yes, you will have instincts that will lead to self-preservation uh, and all that entails. However, even if you were able to somehow turn off these self-preservation instincts via neurotoxins, you wouldn't have the opposite thing happen. In yeah. other words, you wouldn't have a sudden urge to kill yourself. Right. Right. So so you're saying there is no, like, pre-built-in suicide pathway in humans that is being inhibited and that this toxin is just opening up. If there was, if there was a suicide pathway that was present in the human brain, it wouldn't make any sense for that to be selected for via evolution. Right. There's no reason that that would have been passed on from trait to trait, or sorry, from, from offspring to offspring, because... Why in the world would that be useful? Yeah, right. it doesn't make any biological no. sense. 
Okay, so it's cool. So the whole premise sounds like BS. Good yep. to know. Yep, right, just right off the bat. Right. But that being said, there are such things as neurotoxins, which will kind of, that, that, that can affect brain functions. So mm-hmm. we'll get into that a little bit later in the podcast. Okay, right. cool. So at this point in the movie, uh, they are getting the hell out of Philly. Uh, they're leaving on a jet train, don't know when they're going to come back again. Uh, at one point, like, this happens a lot in the movie where we see like people staring at a television and there's a 45 second bit of news where the, like we're being fed shit from the outside world. Uh, and they mention that like autopsies confirm that the toxin is a natural compound, which is like supposed to be for the viewer to indicate that it's not coming from humans. When in reality and in the science world, the word natural doesn't really fucking matter. I think anything. in our like 27, 2018, 2018 society nice. or just our modern society, especially in America at least, like the word natural gets thrown around. Like it actually means something. Like it actually means something. Natural, it, organic, right. green, non GMO, non GMO. Natural, when I see the word natural, it just might as well say bullshit because it doesn't mean yeah. anything. It just means nothing. It has no meaning. Unless it's after like B. It's like someone F. putting the word very. Like this is very <laughs> yeah, good. Or super food. duper. Or super food. Super food. Which people do say, so that's actually I guess that's kale. I mean we've moved on to be eating ultra foods. Anyway, but yeah, but the word natural, so what they're trying to imply is that it's derived from something in nature, which anything that's classified as natural should be derived from something in nature, but that doesn't mean it's not synthetically created or something. Which are most things. And a good good example is like caffeine. Caffeine is a quote unquote natural compound, but a lot of caffeine is just synthesized whenever we use it in things. So the majority of what humans use are quote unquote from natural things. So, and also too much of anything is bad for you. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. I mean, cocaine is like, natural i mean it's processed from the cocoa plant right but i don't see like where does the definition of natural like you don't find a pile of cocaine in nature but yeah yes yes it's the honey bun of the drug world kevin so anyway they're trying to leave (laughs) philly uh there's some additional bullshit sorry real quick i wanted to point out you did say they're leaving on a jet train which i really wanted you to describe to the audience what a jet train is but then i followed up (laughs) i don't know when they're going to be back again well you know and every Amtrak ticket you buy, it says Amtrak colon the jet train. The jet train. Reference, see James Kenan Smith. <laughs> the jet train too. Electric boogaloo. <laughs> All right. Sorry sorry to derail you off your uh-huh. jet train, but I just, I just wanted to, just to point that out. I got you. you were wondering. So they're in this uh, jet train station where uh, we get our first indication that John Leguizamo, for whatever reason, doesn't like Mark's wife. He doesn't think that she likes Mark as much as... He likes her or something. I don't know. Well, People critique the relationship the entire movie. It's, it's probably ridiculous. her eyes, right? No, her eyes are beautiful. I'm not going to get into this with you. Uh, <laughs> so they find out that uh, after it cuts to people killing themselves in uh, Philly, where uh, a bunch of people, again, commit either self-harm or suicide, it happens in a park, which is, uh, well, actually, I think, as Mark Wahlberg says, it a pal work. Um, Pock. A Pock. A Pock. I'm not a cop. I'm Pock Wahlberg. It's in a Pock. Pock Wahlberg. So, uh, there's this whole thing on the train where everybody's like calling people in Philly because people who didn't leave, you know, are in trouble, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and then eventually the train stops in a small town, which, what was it called? Like Figbert? Fletcher, I think, right? Uh, it's Philbert. Philbert. I think we got Fletcher because of Split. Oh, you're right. Oh, probably. Yeah, it's Philbert. It's Philbert, Philbert Pennsylvania. 
Filbert, Pennsylvania. It's 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 middle of nowhere sticks, Pennsylvania. Exactly. Scenic Filbert, but it's somewhere between Harrisburg and Philly, which there's not a lot. <laughs> On a train stop. Yeah. <laughs> so Marky Mark, he uh he confronts the train conductor, I guess, and there's like 60 on this plane. Fuck. On this train. Uh, <laughs> and automobiles. Yes. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah Steve Barton was Andy Steve, Steve Barton was piloting the train. <laughs> He's talking to these train conductors, of which, again, there's like 40. They mention that, oh, we've stopped here because we can't get in contact. Like, we've lost contact. Mark goes, with who? And he turns around very slowly. He goes, everyone. And then there's... Dun, 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 dun. Everyone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so they all decide that they're going to go to a local bar. Um, they're eating, and Marky Mark starts talking to John Leguizamo's child, uh, Jesse. Jess? Jess. Jess. Jeff. Who comes with them. Not Jeff. Oh, Jess. Uh, comes with them, and Johnny Legs' wife is somewhere else. I don't remember where. She's in Philly. She's back in Philly. Got it. He tells her about uh, Marky Mark's mood ring, which he puts on... Earlier in the film, yeah, so, and I was pretty convinced it was. I didn't know it was a mood ring. I thought it was like, it looks like a mystical ring you get from like a wizard. Yeah, and he tells you you're the chosen one. So Kenan saw this in the beginning, and I didn't see that. I like didn't catch the mood ring, and he yeah. was like, "Oh, Mark Wahlberg's wearing a ring from a wizard." And then <laughs> they come back to him, and he, it actually very accurate description. Kenan, it looks like a ring from it a looks, wizard. It looks like the surface of the little window in an eight ball, like a magic eight ball. Yeah. Like so, so it's a. It turns out it's a mood ring, but it's not one of those band style mood rings where like the colored pattern is along the band. It's yeah. like a ring with a huge. It's got a rock on it the size like, of a Doberman. It seems like costume jewelry. Yes. But like, so Mark Wahlberg is wearing this mood ring, and he's... he tells a kid that uh, <laughs> people emit auras or different colors and whenever energy. they have energy. Yeah, amber uh, is their color whenever they have like different feelings. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's gonna be stuck in your head for the rest of the night. So he lies to a kid, and this is not the first time that Mark does this, uh, about how <laughs> mood rings work. Uh, they don't work, right? I mean, they're just temperature sensitive. Yeah, it's just by yes. heat. So, so they don't actually mood, tell your mood, mood rings. don't work? Yeah. Oh, oh, Jesus. Have you not heard the Reliant K song? Stop. All right. Oh. Do you know that I've, I've been purple honing my entire hasn't. life. <laughs> Yeah, so we determined that mood rings are actually all the colors mean horny. Uh, so after M- Mark lies to a kid about how mood rings work and about how people have auras, uh, the woman next to him, next to Mark, who is sitting next to like a seven-year-old girl, then shows him a video of a man walking into a lion's cage at a zoo and getting torn to shreds by lions, um, which again, not something you show to a kid. Uh, so the barkeep shows up, like, and is saying, oh, turn on the news. We think it's not a terrorist attack. They think it might be something else. Uh, and then they show a big map of basically, like, New England and about how it's being affected by this death cloud. Right. And, and because of the, the, so the news says at the rate that people are being affected, they no longer suspect that it's a terrorist attack. Yep. They basically think that it's too widespread for it to actually be a terrorist attack. Yeah. At this point in the film, uh, Marky Mark and his compatriots are basically trying to get away from this hellscape that is the Northeast, uh, from this diner where they were all hanging out. Uh, but they then find out that uh, Julian Johnny Legs, his wife, is taking a bus to Princeton, right? And he wants to go fetch her. Uh, and this is where they split up. 
right? Yep. So Mark and his wife and uh, this guy, Johnny Lake's kid, which I'm not sure why the kid leaves, to be honest. So Because he knows he's going into a dangerous yeah, area. Yeah. And he says so. they only have one seat left and they can squeeze me in. Right. Yeah. Uh, so they, they split off. Uh, and after he yells at both of them. Yeah, he's very aggressive about the way that he looked like he was after his child. He looked like he was going to kiss Mark Wahlberg and punch Zoe Deschanel. I don't know why. Yeah. Which I don't want him to hit Zoe Deschanel if he'd kiss Mark, Mark Wahlberg. Was, that Rotten Tomato rating probably would have gone up. Yeah. So in <laughs> Johnny Legg's car, they're going to Princeton. Yes. Right? Uh, so they're on their way, and then that's when they start to notice the bodies, uh, and they get to Princeton, and they're trying to seal their car they're in, right, to prevent yeah. any of this airborne neurotoxin. The Jeep Wrangler that they're in. In the Jeep which is the worst car for doing this. Yeah. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute worst car. It's got a fucking canvas roof. Yeah. Um, and so the you know, they start to see all of these uh, landscapers that have hung themselves, and the female who they're in the car with is is having kind of, kind of a nervous breakdown. Uh, Johnny Legs, who's a math teacher, is like, okay, let me let me calm your nerves with a little math riddle. Yeah, which would stress me out. Yeah. <laughs> It'd make it worse. Yes, make it worse. And while he's doing this, they they notice the 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 sound of the the wind coming in through the car, and they realize there's a hole in the roof. Uh, and this is when all hell breaks loose. Nice. And um, the neurotoxin begins to affect the driver, which then slows down the car, and then immediately crashes the car into, into a tree. Um, and the members of the of the vehicle commit suicide, and they're all dead. So, Just sum them so, out. so Johnny Legs dies. There goes yeah. that storyline. Yeah. So that one's dead. Uh, so then we are jumping back to Marky Mark, right? Yep. And they are basically hanging out with this plant hippie dude. Yeah, call, yeah, let's yeah. call him Dan Planter the Hot Dog Man. Yeah, and that um, will become apparent pretty soon. Because play, this played by like crazy man Frank Kalison, Kal- uh, K- I think is his name. Uh, viewers would probably recognize him from A Brother Where Out Thou. Oh, oh right. And we're gonna call him they don't actually really say his name in the movie, but we're gonna mm-hmm. call him Dan Planter the hot dog man. Yeah, yeah, Dan Planter. <laughs> because the, the uh this guy owns kind of like an arboretum greenhouse type thing. They bring him in and he's starting talking about plants, introducing this idea that maybe it's plants that are causing these problems that are happening in the mm-hmm. world. He also extols the virtues of hot dogs, which is where the other thing comes from. Well, as soon as they enter the, the greenhouse, he's like Wait, you guys like hot dogs, right? Yeah. Like, this is your prerequisite for being Dan Planter, the hot dog man's best friend. If you don't like hot dogs, you can just get the fuck out. They call me the hot dog man. You have to like like plants and hot dogs, or Dan is not going to get the fuck out. Or get the fuck out, yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, so so Dan Planter and his wife, they give Marky Mark, uh, Zoe Deschanel, and Jess a ride away from this place, right? And they, they stop at his house, which also has the greenhouse, to get some provisions. And then they continue on their way to get, you know, as far to the border as possible. There's basically right. the affected area, and they're just yeah. trying to go west. While they're in the greenhouse, this is where we get uh, another bit of science, right? Where Dan Planter, the hot dog man, he mentions that, you know, plants can respond to humans, right? Like, we can interact with them. Because he, he's walking through his, like, rows of plants and talking to them and saying, like, goodbye, I'll be goodbye, back soon. my pretties, I'll yeah. be back later. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I think this is a good opportunity for us to talk a little bit about... How it's a little ridiculous. That's not ridiculous, Ken. I talk to plants all the time. I believe you. No, I don't. I don't have plants. Well, you can talk to plants, but are they listening, Sean? Uh, they're not. Maybe no, you're not. They don't have ears. You can't come in. But <laughs> there, there are some maybe some crude ways in which plants might communicate, mm-hmm. right? Definitely with, with people. Yeah. yeah. Not no. no it, mm, nope. Stop at that point. With the right. people thing. 
Ring, ring. Who's there? Oh, the truth? Nope. It's it's false. Yep. <laughs> um, fucking got it. Wow. Sorry, is this fake news on the live? So plants have a lot of cool ways that they can respond to their environment and to humans in the form of things called tropisms. So if anybody's taken a botany class, you guys would have heard this uh, about this kind of thing. Three of the more interesting ones are things like geotropism or gravitropism. So plants can actually respond to uh, uh, movement uh, in the form of like gravity. Uh, so they can, uh, or they can, I guess, grow in response to gravity. Right. Um, so there's also hel- uh, heliotropism. People see this all the time, especially in the form of like, say, sunflowers, where they will actually follow the sun. Uh, and then one of the more interesting ones is known as thigmotropism, uh, which is a response to movement or growth in response to contact and touch and things like that. So. Uh, there's this one plant whose name I can't remember, but I'm sure everybody's done this at some point if they've been out hiking and there's like a fern that you can touch and it recoils, uh, in response to your touch. But one of the more easily accessible ones is that, uh, bean sprouts and vines and things like that. Uh, these organisms curling around, uh, sticks and, and, and the like things you use for plant, you know, plant and shit. Uh, this is actually a form of thigmotropism. So they're able to react to their environment based on touch and then use these things to curl and grow. Uh, even things like Venus flytraps, right? Like when the fly lands mm-hmm. on them, they yeah. feel like there's some sort of touch sensing, and then they close there's to a trigger snare the fly. Yeah. Exactly. Don't forget about those carnivorous plants, man. Yeah. Right. And the ones that also will mimic the smell of rotting flesh to attract flies. Yeah, dude, that's that part of that science, that plant communication that we're going to talk yeah. about. Mm. Oh, yeah. Uh, the other uh, other one that we're going to talk about a little bit more because it's a whole pot, pot of the movie is one called chemotropism. So these are plants doing things in response to chemicals. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But we're going to talk about that in a little bit. In a little bit. So to get back to the plot, damn plant of the hot dog man takes them all on the road and they drive west and they essentially reach a road where they... A crossroads. A crossroads where they look ahead and they see a bunch of dead bodies. So they stop and they're like, well, we'll go down this other road. And right before they do, a military officer comes up and says, don't go down that road. People at the base just started killing each other. Yeah, so then exactly. They, Our friend basically Private Oster. Private Oster. And they essentially do this for all four directions of the road, and people just start coming up from each direction, going. It's there are bodies like, that way. There are bodies comedy, that way. The way this occurs, yeah, yeah. It's like all at the same time they run into cars all at this crossroads. So everybody gets out of the cars, and they're all trying to figure out yep. like we're trapped here because every single direction people have been killed from this whatever is happening. Right, and eventually, like enough people accumulate, and we get sort of a shortcut to them just sitting around and trying to figure out what to do. When a person walks up to Marky Mark and says, hey, a woman got through to her daughter in Princeton. Um, And so this way they can kind of figure out what might have happened to John Leguizamo, Johnny Legs. And so they go over to this woman who is talking to her daughter, uh, having kind of like, you know, a panicked conversation, but it seems pretty normal. Uh, And then Marky Mark walks up and starts screaming at her. Uh, while this is happening. So she's narrating for us and saying like, oh, stay away from the window. You know, don't don't get near the tree in the window, which was a very stupid plant for the movie. Yeah. Uh, for that one scene. But either way, uh, so she puts her on speakerphone when she starts saying like, oh, she starts talking strangely. And then we hear, hear the girl go, I see in calculus. I see in calculus. 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 <laughs> and then... Mark yells at her, what do you mean? Everyone is dead? Like, screaming <laughs> at this woman and this, like, this grieving woman and her daughter. As her daughter's about to kill herself while exactly. on the phone with her. It's a very weird scene and just not good. Mark is just bad at human interaction. Yeah. It's also not very well written. But yeah. That's it's not, true. It's it, not his fault. 
But so this is the point in the movie where people are, Mark Wahlberg at least, is starting to suspect, and uh, Dan Planter, the uh, hot dog man, yep. are starting to suspect that maybe this thing is from plants. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of alluded to this when they're like, oh, it's not a terrorist attack, it's something natural. Yeah. People are starting to think, like, maybe it's the plants or something. And this is when everything starts getting even more, buck like, wild. buck wild than it already was. And Dan Planter, the hot dog man, says, like, well, like, did you know about the Heliothus caterpillar? And right. And his interaction with tobacco plants? Yeah. So he alludes to this. And Kenneth, maybe you can talk about this more. Yeah. I mean, well, so, I mean, it just very succinctly, like, this type of caterpillar feeds on tobacco plants. Uh, and there's this, like, commensal type reaction that when these plants are damaged, uh, the uh, they release a chemical signal that attracts the uh, braconid wasp, uh, Micropolitis croisipes. Crossopy. Oh, oh, Micropolitis Crossopy. My wife is going to shoot me for how I butchered that. My wife. My wife. Uh, Thank you for that. Couldn't go a whole episode. Um, (laughs) So either way, this wasp shows up, lays its eggs in the Heliothus caterpillar, thus rendering it not dangerous to the plant anymore. Uh, And it's implied that, like, this is the plant purposefully signaling the wasp to show up and murder the caterpillar because our mo- the movie is trying to lead us to believe that plants are able to basically snipe people with their chemicals. Right. Yeah, like, they, there's this weird tone where they're, when they're describing what the plants are doing, they're like, oh, in response, like, they're saying the plant's sitting there watching itself getting eaten and then it goes like, oh, oh you're gonna eat me? You're I'm gonna wasps. get the wasps to come. Like, the yeah. plant is making an active decision, which is, like, just not true. It's anthropomorphizing. Well, the way that would actually work in nature, right, is that you happen to have, randomly, by chance, the way evolution works, uh, the tobacco plant that will just happen to release this chemical signal that just happened to attract the wasp in that situation, which yep. prevented the caterpillar from eating that plant. Therefore, that plant survived, and that trait was passed on. Yep. That's how evolution works. That's how that would have happened. And in the other direction, a wasp that is able to react to a chemical signal that eventually leads it to food better than a wasp that is not able to do so is able to pass on its progeny and survive better. So then on the wasp side, being able to follow this chemical signal released by the plant that just happens to release it upon damage makes the wasp better at surviving, therefore it's selected for. And that's it, why, if you look outside, there's just tobacco plants, wasps, and no butterflies. <laughs> yeah, that's it. There's absolutely <laughs> that's nothing. There's nothing. If you can understand that concept that we just said... You can write bio- a better movie. Biology yeah, one. you can make a better movie than The Happening. <laughs> and you also understand Biology 101. Absolutely. Right. Done. Now, plant signaling does occur to a degree. I mean, we already talked about this thing, right? So, the one... Uh, example that some of our listeners may remember are things like uh, ethylene gas. So we talked about this a little bit during the movie, but uh, ethylene gas is this thing that's released by bananas and other fruits, which Sean didn't think it was right. He thought it was just bananas and Pace uh, took him to school on that. I just wanted to point that out. Um, but this is this chemical signal that's released by uh, fruits for their own purposes, but that other plants can react to, uh, and it causes ripening in fruits. Uh, it's commercially used when people go pick bananas. <laughs> Stop staring at me like that, Sean. When people go pick bananas and uh, do so before they are ripe so that they're less prone to physical damage and then spray them with ethylene gas so that they can ripen them at the right time. The point here is that we're pointing out things that actually exist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, plants can't actually target human beings with something they release. Plants, exactly. plants sensing humans or like a fern plant that's just been sitting in your backyard doesn't go like, 
there are too many people here. Let's murder them. <laughs> that does not happen. <laughs> now they start to realize Mark Wahlberg suspects that humans are being targeted when they're in large groups of people because yeah. they talk about how big cities were targeted and then smaller towns and now like they're all standing on this roadway and apparently the roads have been targeted by plants. Like the plants are sitting there sniping people. They're it's, targeting it's large groups of people. So yeah. they break off into smaller groups, abandon all of their vehicles and just start running through the fields in like the country in Pennsylvania. Yeah. We get like one small group where Private Oster, our military boy, goes with one big group and Marky Mark goes with another big group. Uh, and then the first one is consumed by the wind and Yeah, there's this also this weird thing where like so the concept in the movie is that the plants are releasing some toxin that's killing people. And apparently the toxin is only killing people when there's like a gust of wind. Yeah, exactly. Like you always see the trees rustling in the background and then people start behaving weird. So So while this other group dies, Mark, like Zoe Deschanel is screaming at Mark. And while this is happening, Mark is, I guess, relapsing and says, like, be scientific, asshole. And then, like, to himself and then starts rattling on about designing an experiment or consider all the variables or whatever he's, he's saying like, himself. One, identify the variables. Two, determine the groups. Yeah, exactly. Three, he starts rocking back and forth and these like, He's literally just yelling random science words. It's the craziest thing. So I he think. mentions the large group thing and then he literally says the words, we gotta stay ahead of the wind. And then a wind wall starts coming for his group. Yeah. They yeah. just see the grass moving and everyone's like, God, get away from the wind. And they- <laughs> it's, it's, it's the day after tomorrow all over again where you run from, Running the, cold. Away from the cold. Yeah. And it doesn't make any sense because if there was a, if there was something in the air, it would just diffuse. Mm-hmm. Even if there wasn't wind. Yes. It right. would just. Assuming these particles are very small and airborne and not like light enough to float through the air. And it doesn't make sense. And it makes for a pretty bad movie where we see them literally running away from wind. Yeah, but the best part is they're running away from wind, and then the wind catches up to them, yeah. and nothing happens. The wind wall hits them, they all take 3d8 bludgeoning damage, they all, make their, <laughs> they all make their strength saving throws, and no one falls down. Yeah, right, so I guess they just move on, they're like, nothing happened. Okay, okay. They go to a house, they're like, trying to regroup, so it's basically Mark Wahlberg, Zoe Deschanel, Jess, and then two kids are the with them. The crime-fighting duo, Jerry and, Jerry and Josh. Jerry and Josh, yeah. these like two younger kids that are with them. Or not younger, but like probably high school age. Yeah, they're about high school age. One of them yells at Mark Wahlberg about his love life. Yeah. (laughs) Why don't don't you have any kids? What's wrong with you? Along with everybody else in the movie. So they they end up at like a model home. They're trying to regroup. Uh, Mark Wahlberg spits off some theories of what's happening. And we'll actually address that a little bit closer towards the end of the podcast. But now they're, they're like trying to find food, right? So they end up at some random house and they find out people are inside and they're trying to break in to get some food. Yeah, this like sketchy looking house. It's like sketchy boarded up house yeah. with like little holes in the slats. They're like, don't let the gas in. You're terrorists and stuff. You're probably so, with the terrorists. Of course, the two kids, like, what are they, Drake and Josh? Whatever. Yeah, Drake and Josh are. just start going wild yeah, on this house. They're like, dude. let us in. We need food for this little girl. And they're trying to break in and then you just see like a shotgun barrel poke out of the window and just shoot both of them. And Mark Wahlberg <laughs> also grabs the end of the shotgun barrel as it's going off and he's fine which would burn <laughs> a lot yes so, and also none of them grab their ears which would be they would probably rupture their eardrums exactly but. it doesn't make sense that these two kids are fighting so hard for this this tiny human girl they, they just met her three seconds ago it's well, also only been just, like 24 hours like i don't even yeah. know why they need food that bad they're not yeah. they're not panic no one else is panicking but these kids just like switch all of a sudden they just flip and go bananas and they keep like cutting back to the tree 
yeah, yeah, near like them. The tree is the like, one like the tree is affecting them, yeah. but that's not. It's just sort of like, and oh, then, is it? And then nothing happens. Yeah, then yeah. nothing happens except so, for that they get shot. So Jess runs away because she's panicking, and Mark is over there like cradling one of the kids in his arms because he's like, shit, this sucks. Zoe Deschanel runs up and says, "We have to protect Jess." They run after her. It cuts to another scene with them like running through a big field again. Uh, M. Night Shyamalan Slam uh, cuts to like a bunch of people sitting around in their homes watching news. Uh, one of them, there's Pace commented very astutely that they show people with automatic weapons in Nebraska, a Hispanic family sitting in a tub in Florida, and some old maids in West Virginia. And that's pretty much the tone of the movie for the entire thing. Welcome to America! Yeah, exactly. It was very like bad stereotype snapshot of America for us. You know, we didn't actually talk about this when we were preparing, but I just thought about it when you brought it up. The women in West Virginia are wearing gas masks. Yeah. And it's likely that if this is some airborne small compound, that perhaps a gas mask would actually help filter it out of the air. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, possibly. And we saw a military guy before where an entire military base in a national crisis... And none of them were wearing gas masks. None of them had gas masks. <laughs> like, That's a good point. Like, <laughs> like why, why, why wouldn't they just all put on gas masks if they think there's an airborne toxic substance right. that they could potentially filter out? I, I so what you're saying is we should replace the entire American military with old people, old women from West Virginia. Yeah, apparently they are the only ones that realize, like, oh, there's something there. We should put, a we mask should put these on. masks on. <laughs> I mean, this is like early 20th century technology. We could yeah. probably make it. We could probably work with it. I guess. So anyways, not to derail it. No, that's perfect. perfect. Um, so they're running. They eventually get to this... Uh, old house which they initially think is abandoned uh mark Wahlberg is sort of walking around the outside to make sure nobody's there uh betty buckley our good friend from split who was uh helping what's his name what was the lead actor in split james mcavoy yes james mcavoy uh he was uh yeah anyway she's there she's sitting on her front porch uh she says the second best line of the entire movie which is why you eye in my lemon drink uh, and then inv- <laughs> and then invites him inside for dinner. Not lemonade. She doesn't know it's called lemonade. She because, says lemon drink. because she's a hermit, right? As we find out, she doesn't have a radio, doesn't have a television, doesn't care about the outside world. <laughs> this lady is crazy. Yeah, right? for for no re- like for no reason. Yeah, there's some just random old crazy creepy lady, and she's like, "Oh, I guess you can come in for dinner." Yeah, and. They come in for dinner. She talks about how she bakes. Her, she like, oh, I grow my own food. Like, I don't have a radio. I don't need to know what's going on in the world. She apparently doesn't drive. And behind her, there's like buckets of apples. It's yeah. <laughs> like, I don't see any apple trees around her house. And she grows her own food. And there are just like buckets of apples. She, she also, you pointed this out right after she said, I'm not very good at growing food. Yeah, right. <laughs> she has like a mountain of apples behind her. It's very, it's very weird. But she's, you get this like insight into that she's kind of crazy and yeah she slaps Jess's hand when because she reads she, for a biscuit yeah she reads for a biscuit she's like don't touch stuff that's not yours and like yep. hit her it's very and then hands her a biscuit yeah it's it's weird it was more of a cookie right yeah it was I a cookie guess. so you know she probably calls it a biscuit because she calls it lemon drink so she's probably like lemon drink she's yeah. a weird These old lady with her uh, this is my cow flesh uh, this is my, my pig blanket and uh, pig blanket. these are my pigs in a blanket these are my pigs in the blanket which is a which is a, a biscuit and a pig pig blanket. oh you're sitting on the stool with a back <laughs> yeah that's yeah, a chair what's that <laughs> I call it a backstool. She's very disconnected oh, you mean, from you a mean, dictionary. You mean my wood throne. My, my wood throne. Sitting <laughs> on my wood throne. Uh, 
that I sit on. Come up to my high floor. Are you guys the table? Dun- dumping on Mrs. Jones. <laughs> no, dude. She's, yeah, okay. I'm done with She is you. pretty unnecessarily crazy. So uh, Mark and Zoe are talking in their room about like, oh, this one's a little weird, but like there's a lot of problems going on outside. Like, oh, we should just put up with her. They're like whispering. And then they hear a noise and Mark walks and like looks out of his door and the old woman's just staring at him uh, in her room in her nightgown and she's like you guys whispering you guys talking about stealing all my shit you guys gonna kill me in my sleep and Mark's like what? No. <laughs> but, but he delivers it so much worse than Kenneth did he goes what? no, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we mentioned a couple times that like Mark Wahlberg acts in this movie like he should be in a Seth Rogen style comedy film like yeah. the way he delivers all of his lines yeah. what? no why would we do that? what? murder you? tonight? <laughs> me? me? yeah it's, so- it's all sarcastic he's sarcastic throughout the entire film Mark's yeah. fantastic it's, it's all fake it's very strange, but so he wakes up the next morning. So Mark Wahlberg wakes up the next morning and he looks around and realizes that uh, Jess and Zoe Deschanel. He hears like giggling or yeah, something. He hears, like, yeah, he hears like some some talking or something. And he goes downstairs looking for them and he walks into, he can't find them. So he walks into the old lady's room and sees this just like really, haunted really doll. creepy doll <laughs> laying. It's definitely a haunted doll. Like it's there's no question about it. You saw the, the irises of the eyes. Of the doll were like angled towards him as he was yeah, looking at like as well. staring. Yeah, it was like, really, it was creepy. It's implied that like the that, room is preserved, I guess, because yeah. maybe a relative died. In that was or something, you like, know, because of like it, that was for sure the scariest thing in the entire yes, movie. That's yes. supposed to be a horror movie, and it all ties back to this woman is weird for no fucking, fucking reason. reason yeah. I don't know why M Night felt like he needed a weird old lady in this part of the movie. Right, but so Mark's sitting there and he's looking at this doll, and then old Mrs. Jones comes in and is like. Don't touch things that you're not supposed to... Don't steal my haunted doll! Yeah, and yells like, get out, get out! So it's like freaking out at him. So he's like, whoa! He's like, whoa, lady! Like, I'm just looking for people! Like, whoa, he's, me? No! Yeah, so <laughs> she goes outside. He basically just like walks away from her. She goes outside and then he's still looking for Jess and turns out and looks out the window... And the old lady is just standing. She's like walking like, in the garden. In the like, garden. Like, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I like, guess. Yeah. And the wind is blowing vigorously. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then she starts acting weird. Like, you see her stop and start walking backwards and, like, look which at the house. Which is our indication. Yeah. Yeah, which people have been doing. They just kind of stop what they're doing right when the tox- toxin hits them. I did quotes, which you couldn't see. Yeah, it's good. Um, content, <laughs> and so he's still looking for Jess, and the lady just starts bashing her head through the windows of the house. Like a dippy bird. But, like, <laughs> very slowly. It's weird. Yeah, she's just like, wham! Dip, like, just dips forward. And it's enough force to break the window, I guess. So she's, like, bleeding, breaking the her windows with her head and we assume that she dies from this right mark Wahlberg like runs into a back room and like locks himself he's in like there. oh the room's inside yeah because he sees the wind and he's like oh get inside yeah Don't exactly run away from the wind so he's in this room and presumably mrs jones just dies and he locks her out and he hears jess's voice and zoe's voice from it's like somewhere and he looks around and there's this little pipe and while they were sitting at dinner earlier the Old Mrs. Jones said that there's a spring house um, that has a talking pipe. Yeah, because it was like related back to the Underground Railroad and all this stuff so that you can talk between the two areas and you can, it's like you're in the same room. Right. So, so Mark's in that room now. Zoe and Jess are in the other room and they're able to talk to each yeah, other. Yeah, and he's like, get inside, bar the doors, like the wind is coming and all this stuff. <laughs> and, and Zoe walks up to the window, who's right next to the door, closes the window, turns around and looks at Jess and goes, 
Jess, close the door. <laughs> and so Jess runs across the room and closes the door that's right next to Zoe. Right. And so then they're getting to this part where this is this underlying theme the whole time where they're having like marriage problems. Yep. But it's not important or very good to the plot. It's, so I, to, to be fair, I didn't even know they were married throughout the entire movie. Yeah, that's it's true. Very, it's very weird. But it only serves for them to talk about this mood ring, which we learned that <laughs> right. all the colors mean you're horny. Well, so <laughs> to, be, to be honest, the mood ring serves no plot function either. No. Right. But if we could, if I could pull back the curtain for a second from yeah, the yeah. audience. While we're watching this movie, we're goofing around the whole time. When anytime the mood ring comes up, we're like, "Oh, it means they're horny." Yeah, just, every color. We're just joking around <laughs> with them, saying that the mood ring means they're horny. Mark Wahlberg, in this like tender moment, I guess that he's having with his wife through this talking box, are like, "Remember our first date we had, and you yeah. pulled off that mood ring, and it was purple on me, and you said that the, it, it means, it means I was love. in love. It was the color of love." And then she goes... She, she, she says, leaves Jess and then walks closer. And then she says, and then we looked it up later and it just meant I was horny. And we lost her shit. <laughs> it was perfect. It was... Especially the way that she delivered to you. It means I was horny. <laughs> well, Zoe Deschanel is so awkward all the time. Which so. we knew the entire time. Because yes. every color of the mood ring means you're horny. Means you're horny. But anyways, they basically were like, I don't want to be apart from you if we're going to die. So yeah. they just leave the house in the middle of the wind. Yep. Mark Wahlberg. Walk outside to like embrace each other. Mark Wahlberg is willing to leave the house to be with her because he doesn't want to die alone. And then Zoe Deschanel is willing to leave the spring house and kill a small child to <laughs> yeah. be with Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> right. So, the, so they all walk out there. The wind is blowing around. They look at each other and nothing, nothing happens. happens. That's basically the end of the movie. Yeah. You yeah. get some, like, three months later cutscene where they're all, like, wrapping up of what was going on. And yeah. there's, like, a scientist. So it's just, like, a gray-haired older guy on, on TV. Like a Dateline show Yeah, like a Dateline show where they're like, how could your science explain what's happening here? And yep. all this. Tides go in. Tides go out. Sun goes up. Sun goes down. You can't explain it. Sun goes up. Sun goes down, and Apollo gets, flies across the sky with his golden chariot. Yeah. That's basically what this dude do, says because he he then like likens us back or calls back to the original thing that we Mark Wahlberg the same bullshit he was spouting earlier about how this is a natural phenomenon you can't explain it and then likens it to the red tide, which is something that is easily explainable. It is right, easily and in fact. Pace is going to explain what the red tide is yep, because we, I did not know that much about it. And I know I you looked some stuff up. Yeah, well, I had seen the red tide before in my lifetime, uh, but I didn't uh, learn as much as I had about it until today. So uh, you might have seen this if you live near a body of water. Uh, basically, like the water will turn kind of a reddish, yellowish, or brownish color, and it's basically because there is an abundance, this like temporary abundance of these. Um, Small microorganisms called dinoflagellates. Dinoflagellates. These are a type of phytoplankton, which is just like algae. Mm. Uh, and in the right conditions, they can grow very, very quickly, and they have a coloration, so they color the water. They're also super cute. They're they're too small to tell if they're cute, Kenan. But I, you know, I'm looking at pictures. But I, oh, did you find a good picture? Yeah, they got little tails. Anyway, Aww. well, that is the flagellate aspect of the nomenclature. There, That's a wiggle. Um, importantly, though, a lot of these. Dinoflagellates involved with the red tides produce toxic chemicals. Yes, they do. Uh, which uh, these are relevant to humans for quite a few reasons. Okay, one, uh, the filter feeders like clams, oysters, and mussels mm. will they will they'll basically have these toxins accumulate inside of them, mm. and then humans will eat these, and then they'll get sick and uh, sometimes even die. Yep, um, that's not an exaggeration. 
And so, like, playing on the idea of, like, in the movie, you have an airborne toxin, right, that's released from the plant. And it actually, there are cases in nature where there are airborne toxins. Uh, there's actually a type of these dinoflagellates in Florida that mm-hmm. uh, release an airborne toxin that will irritate, like, your nose and mouth. Mm-hmm. It won't kill you or right. cause you to kill yourself. Um, but that idea does exist in nature. Yeah. But most importantly, I think, two things. There are a particular type of species of these phytoplankton, these dinoflagellates, that produce this toxin called domoic acid. Domo arigato acid. Mr. McAcid. I was going to say that, so I guess you beat me to it. (laughs) Base beat you to a pop culture record. The temperature in hell. (laughs) Well, my parents listen to way too much sticks. Um, So this domoic acid, which is released by these phytoplankton, is actually capable of producing amnesia in humans. Wow. This is the closest thing that we could possibly get to what we see in the movie. So how this actually works is that if you get just a bunch of the domoic acid in your diet, it's going to go into your blood, blood goes to your brain, and then this will then get into the hippocampus of your brain, which is important for memory. Wow. Um, And then basically this will cause something called excitotoxicity in the brain because of, ironically, the excessive release of a neurotransmitter called glutamate. The neurons fire over and over and over and over again in this region. Uh, and basically, this is toxic to a neuron because it messes with calcium homeostasis. I was going to say, it causes like an influx of calcium. Yes. Then? Okay. Wow. Uh, and calcium wow. signaling for neurons is super important. Yeah. Whenever you mess with this. It means on, right? <laughs> yeah. And so as this happens, you're, you're eventually going to exhibit short-term memory loss, even, even like seizures. Um, and if you take in too much, it will kill you. Wow. Um, oh, wow. But it will not cause you to kill yourself. Okay. No basis for that. Wow. Excitotoxicity is not being pumped for a System of a Down album, right? It absolutely is not. Okay. uh, The excitotoxicity. (laughs) Yes. Of our city. Of our city. System of a Down. Rebooted. (laughs) Um, One last thing I want to say. Hit me. All right. There are, humans eat shellfish, right? Yes. And shellfish. Some are allergic. Yeah, yeah. Some don't eat them, but some do. Humans eat the shellfish, and sometimes they contain these toxins. Yes. What what people used to do to see if these toxins are present in the shellfish, right. they would take extract from the shellfish, inject it into mice, and see if the mice exhibit the symptoms that are associated with the toxicity. Sweet lord. Yes. Thankfully, they don't do this anymore. God. And they've moved on to They actually- just let people die. No <laughs> wonder people do <laughs> no, like <no>. <laughs> They tested on people. <laughs> <laughs> They've moved on to actually more accurate biochemical assays that actually work a lot better cool. but, and don't hurt mice. So That's good. <laughs> Wonderful. So now that we know what red tides actually are, uh, we know that the man who was speaking on television is full of shit. Uh, it cuts away from him. We cut to Zoe Deschanel, who is waiting on a pregnancy test. She sees that she's pregnant, and she, I guess looks at Mark Wahlberg and they smile and it does fucking nothing for the plot at all. Uh, then we cut to Paris, England, where a French bicycle guy is repeating himself over and over and over again, talking to his friend. Uh, his friend's like, whoa, what are you doing? This is so strange. And he looks around and all these people have stopped and are starting to walk backwards. And once again, we have a blonde person 
who is, for whatever reason, immune to this airborne toxin for like five minutes. Uh, <laughs> and this is like foreshadowing because the rebuttal to the bullshit scientist on the Dateline thing was like, well, if you thought this was like a precursor to something worse, wouldn't it happen in more than one place? And he might as well just turn to the camera. Yeah, uh, right. yeah. <laughs> in more than one, one place. place. And then we cut the credits. Yeah. And that's the movie. Yep, and that was the movie. So now that we finished the movie, I guess it's time... To rate this bad boy. Beat you to it. I don't even want to rate the movie anymore. Good. Everything I have on this podcast you've taken from me, Kenan. <laughs> and I would only take more! <laughs> okay, why don't you kick us off? No, you know what? We'll switch it up. Why don't you kick us off? Alright, I can do this. So, uh, as far as the science goes in this movie... Um, there is only one thing, uh, that is uttered in this film that I thought was even scientifically relevant, and it was at one point where Mark Wahlberg, uh, says while they're in the model house, he says, a toxin dissipates quickly in the air, it's only potent in high concentrations, which is very true, yep. unfortunately, throughout this entire movie, the toxin, quote-unquote, that's killing people is being blown around by wind, and since we know that diffusion, the dispersal of molecules through an open space is occurring, and the wind is blowing, Mark Wahlberg is effectively blowing a hole in the premise of the entire movie. So, as far as the science of this movie is concerned, I'm going to give it a 1 out of 5. All right. Because I think it's garbage. Uh, I I agree. (laughs) Sweet. As far as the movie is concerned... I want to. I'm going to give this movie a better rating than it deserves because it's actually really, really entertaining to watch. Because everyone in it is just awkwardly moving about and doing things the entire time, and it's such a ridiculous movie. I think like even if the science is bad, even if the acting is bad, it's fun to watch. Be good. It'd be good to like get drunk and watch. So I'm going to give it a four out of five for entertainment. Really? Yes. It's okay, we'll put them on blast in a second. I want to give it a 4 out of 5 for entertainment. Okay. It's a shitty movie. So, 4 out of 5. As far as the science goes, I don't think I can say much more about it. It's a 1 out of 5. Total BS. Not true. Just, it's bad. It's not good. It's horrible. Um, And, well, along with Kenneth's point also of Mark Wahlberg talking about toxins distributing, or toxins dispersing in the air, the whole opening scene with all the construction workers, they're surrounded by buildings. There's no plants there. So unless you're getting some sort of massive influx of this thing in the air, like, there's no reason that they would be affected because they're not even around plants. You'd expect by the time it leaves Central Park and gets to the construction workers, this has been blown around all over the place, so it shouldn't be affecting them. Right. So I'm going to give the movie a 1 out of 5 for the science. Now for the rating of how I liked the movie. Entertainment value. Entertainment value. So I'm going to rate it with a little qualifier. The movie is a 1 out of 5, 100%. This movie is very bad, so I'm going to give it a 1 out of 5. But I do enjoy watching movies that are considered bad sometimes because they could be entertaining. So if you are into watching bad movies, I recommend The Happening. If you want to watch a movie because you're like, why why don't I spend the time to watch a a movie? Do not watch this. It's a one out of five. But if you're listening to this podcast, you should definitely watch the movie. (laughs) You should definitely watch the movie. (laughs) So that's my opinion. Pace. Very good. In regards to the science, I'm going to give it a one out of five. For the reasons that we mentioned. For all of the reasons. For all of the reasons. <laughs> because there is no science. <laughs> well, there's, you know, they they maybe say one or two science things that are true in the real world. Out of all, uh, you know, 500 pseudoscience things that they say in the film. Uh, right. There's not a whole lot of precedent for what we see. I think the thing that I hated the most was that they indiscriminately treated every plant as if it was capable of releasing the same yeah, yeah, neurotoxin. Yeah, yeah. 
throughout the entire film. Like, yeah. the plants all just have this squad that yeah. they're ready to do. And they justify it by saying, like, well, the plants could communicate with each other. Which doesn't mean... No. Like, what? Makes it no doesn't sense. make any sense. So. Makes no sense. Yeah. Uh, I think that while we were able to relate a lot of things back to basic science, it's because we tried. The movie didn't try. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Yeah, we're doing this movie a favor. Yes. You're welcome, M. Night. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hit us up. In regards to entertainment value, I agree with what Sean said about the bad movie entertainment value versus an actual like critical value of the film. I'm going to give it a... For all, it's, so it's a one out of five for that reason. My other thing I want to add is that the thing that I really hated about it was that the movie like tries to be a horror film. It will set up small aspects of horror films. Like whenever you have the, the, the old lady Mrs. Jones just like standing in the door, uh, the haunted doll yeah. aspects... They build up to nothing. Yeah, yeah. there's that there's Every that time. one scene where Mark Wahlberg is looking for the for Zoe Deschanel and Jess, the little girl, and he hears their voices. And there's this like ominous music that's playing right. as he slowly realizes they're in the the, the spring house. Right. But at this point in the movie, we all already know where they are yeah. because it was telegraphed early on. And they're also totally safe. Yeah. They went there by their own volition. Exactly. Like, so like, why would there be this ominous? feeling that needed to be cultivated. They're just like sitting in a shed just like, hey, this is cool out here. They're trying to inject horror. You know what you know why they can't inject the horror? Because it's plants. Yeah. They're running from the wind and plants. It's true though. And so they, he has to introduce these these uh these sham horror aspects, which aren't real because it's plants. And along with what you're saying, Pace, there was one thing we talked about also that I just really wanted to mention briefly. When in the plot of the movie, they allude to the plants being the toxic distributor so early in the oh, movie. Yeah. There's like they take away all the mystery yeah. of like people when people start randomly committing suicide. That's obviously an abnormal situation that is rather frightening. And like halfway through the movie, they already start suspecting it's plants. And if they just didn't know for most of it and then figure it out later, it would be a little more suspenseful, a little more surprising. Well, it would be more M. Night Shyamalan. Like, right, there was no he, twist. He doesn't make, like, well, okay. So most, a few of his movies are really, really, really good. Yeah. But yeah. in all of them, there is a twist. And this one is just like a slow burn for the entire yeah. film. Yeah. They, they could have played upon the ideas of, like, the rapture or, like, other, you know, other yeah, similar popular like, Armageddon shit. Yeah, popular ideas that are used in film, but they just kind of. There's fun with plants because everyone hates plants. They, it's true. They climax too early. <laughs> the jelly green giant plants were coming for you you've had your time yeah <laughs> so oh, oh, oh. one last thing the big take home here is that in order for plants to have a mechanism that they would use to murder humans it would need to be evolutionarily selected for so you would have to have plants that get some sort of evolutionary advantage to murdering humans and then have those individually selected for there would have to be something about plants killing people that helps plants live longer they would have to exist. They wouldn't just suddenly be able to kill humans in mass quantities. Yeah, they keep saying in the movie, like, oh, they're rapidly evolving to deal with they're the not. threat. That's not a thing, because actual biological evolution is not rapid. Right. Like, that's not what evolution is. There's, like, adaptation to certain things, but that's not, like, developing the ability to just release a neurotoxin. Like, that doesn't... Right. And on top of this, there the implication that all plants are able to do this... It makes this even worse because it implies that all of these plants have gone through the same process of natural selection that allows them to murder people. I mean, if that were true, like, 
All plants would eat bugs because you get extra nutrition. All plants would produce flowers because it's easier to pollinate. Like, all people would just be dead every time they cut down a plant. Always be, be dead. Because like, the anthropomorphic plants would be like, oh, you just cut down to one of us? Yeah, exactly. And, just, like, and then the fairies show up and they have to defeat Hexus and Robin Williams is a, is a bat. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. it's so bad. It's very bad. That, rep- that representation of evolution is so bad yeah do we have any listener questions we do uh this one is not related to the happening but i think it's actually it's not directly related to any film that we've watched but i, I think it's a great question and something that i think a lot of people would be curious about it is and i think we're open to those types of uh, types of questions yeah, we're open to literally we answered a question about gummy bears that's true that's listen true. if a listener um, writes in we will answer it we will read your bullshit <laughs> absolutely will um <laughs> From Bart Hoffman, who asks, how difficult is it to clone someone similar to the age of the original source of the genetic material? Or in other words, can you clone two beings that are about the same age? And I think what he's kind of playing on here is one of the issues with current cloning technology is that in order to clone something, you have to birth it. Like you have to have a surrogate mother. And therefore, if I wanted to clone myself... I would be 27 years older than it if it was born right now. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I think, so then he bring up, brings up the question, could you clone a baby mm-hmm. to make the age difference negligible between the two? So, for example, if you have a child that's born, uh, you take its, its uh, genetic material and then you use that to clone a new baby. Could you have effectively two genetically identical beings? Hmm. Um, which is real a great question. I mean, and uh, I think the sh- my short answer, please correct me if I'm wrong, Hit me. is yes. Uh, because in order to do this, you just, I'm assuming that there, there's this technology that was used to clone Dolly the sheep, which most people have probably heard about, right. uh, called, called somatic cell nuclear transfer. Basically what happens here is that uh, you take an egg cell and you take out its nucleus, which contains its DNA. In this case, you would take a human egg cell. And then you would take the DNA from the thing you're trying to clone, in this case, a baby, right? Uh, take a somatic cell, take the DNA from that, insert it into the new egg, and then find a surrogate mother for that new egg to grow in. And so then you would technically be creating uh, another organism, a human baby in this case, that has new cells that all express the same DNA from the baby that, DNA. that you took it from. Am I correct? And you guys, that that makes sense. I would say that in an ideal scenario, that is correct. But I think that so that would account for an age difference. The problem with those sort of cloning techniques is you have, which we don't really talk about on the show as much, but there's a lot of level of genetic regulation, yeah. like epigenetics and yeah. things like that, that are going to be different in different cell populations. So when you take a somatic cell DNA and put that into an egg cell, the epigenetic silencing. What is going to be different, basically. Well, of course. I, I think that that's you always have to take, take into account those external factors. Right. People say, people think clone, they think, oh, it'll be exactly like me, like the same copy. Right. That will never be true. Well, and when Sean is talking about epigenetics, just for the listeners as well, these are these are ways in which our genomes, human genomes, organismal genomes, are altered just throughout time, just throughout our existence. Right. Well, like every, like every cell in your body has all of your DNA. Right. But certain cells only need to express genes right. for certain tasks. So they silence the other ones, and that's epigenetic silencing. Yep. So like a muscle cell will express muscle proteins, and right. a neuron will express nerve proteins. So if you take the DNA from a nerve cell, 
the epigenetic programming in that cell is going to be the identity of a nerve cell. So you could do this if you took some sort of pluripotent... If you took a stem cell... A cell yeah. that had not already been given the signals to differentiate into other types of cells. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, so you, in theory, could do that. You also do have to worry if you're taking somatic cells that the individual is a mosaic, meaning that their DNA is not actually the same in all of their cells. Because yeah, right. as your cells grow and divide mutations occur and different cells will have slightly different yep. DNA patterns. What if you were to take a gamete from the donor? Uh, so a non-somatic cell. A non-somatic cell? A non-somatic cell. cell. Yeah. Then I guess it would be fine. I mean, you're still, anytime, like, even if you're taking a gamete, it's still... Oh, no, I know. I agree. I'm saying just all different ways this could work, potentially. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And there's some variation there in yeah. that as well. So. Yeah. so I know I was sort of picking apart. I, I think that, like, the principles... Yes, you would. The age difference would only be, you know, and technically the base genetic code would be very, very similar, if not, if not completely right, right. Clone. And if you so. found a way to redo, like, pl- induce pluripotent stem cells, where you could redo the epigenetic programming to put it back into like an undifferentiated state, right? Then you would get rid of that problem, so. which isn't really that far fetched. No, it's not. I mean, that's we do that. People do that. Yeah. So. But either way, you definitely can't clone a human being and then advance them in the, to the exact age of like. A 12-year-old. So you can't take yeah, a 12-year-old be... person and then create another 12-year-old person straight out of that. Definitely impossible. Yeah. Good question, though. Thank Until you. all uh, c- cocoon people. and then we'll... Yeah, you said a uh, real thing there. Yep. You said until all cocoon people? Until we're all cocoon people. Okay. This, what's... This is probably... That is, until you emerge as a beautiful, a beautiful ugly moth. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I think it's important to thank a particular musical artist... Uh, this guy's oh, name, not common, no, oh. <sighs> Jesus. Um, we're going to thank Otis McDonald. Yeah, boy. You yeah. might be asking, who the hell is Otis McDonald? Who is, no, I'm sure everyone knows who Otis McDonald is. Well, uh, while searching for music for our podcast, we came across this guy, Otis, Otis McDonald, and he puts together some of just the, the, the best beats that, that I've heard in this, in this, in this long, long time. Yeah, I, dude, he makes cool music. Yeah, he makes cool music. And, uh, in case you're wondering, he is the intro and outro music to our show. Uh, and we have not yet thanked him because we are assholes. So, yeah, so thank you, Otis. We want to thank you, Otis, because we have enjoyed your music that we've listened to, and we think it adds a good flavor to our show. Yeah, and we want you to team up with Milo again because that movie was great. And don't forget, it's always helpful to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Yes, please. And don't forget that you can email the show at realsciencecast at gmail.com. You can also find us at the same address at realsciencecast cast on twitter yep and instagram which we will post a photo of tonight's recording definitely i absolutely did not forget to do that and also on facebook we have a page that is titled real science cast and we will post links to the episodes and also update you while we're recording and ask for questions on that medium as well absolutely and ratings on facebook and especially ratings and reviews on itunes are the easiest way for our podcast to grow because Every other option involves us putting a lot of money into it. As we already talked about, we're super poor grad students. Yeah. And next week, for next episode... Oh, yeah. We should probably announce that. What are we going to be watching, guys? We're going to be watching Avatar, The Last Airbender. Not, no, not, not The no. Last Airbender. Oh. Not The Last Airbender. What? We're going to be watching James Cameron's 2009 Avatar. James Cameron. And 
we're go- I'm assuming a lot of people have seen this movie because it was fairly popular. Yeah, it's a long movie. We are going to skip over some of the plot elements in order to make the episode shorter. So just be prepared for that. You might yep. want to watch the movie ahead of time if you haven't seen it. We're probably going to focus a lot on Jake Sully getting nasty with his hair tail on the planet of. Oh God, I forgot that was a thing. Pandora. I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, Pandora. Great. Either way, <laughs> either way, you can find us on the internet in the places that Pace mentioned, so hit us up with some questions for Avatar. Um, you can find me on the internet at LOLKennan on Twitter and pretty much every form of media, so feel free to talk to me and I will, I guess, stream at you back on the internet. You can find me on Twitter at Michael C. Pace, uh, and you can also find me on LinkedIn, where I write scientific communication articles that you can read about neurobiology. Sean, we're looking at you, and even though I know the answer is we can't find you on the internet, right? No, I cannot be found. Right. If you want to talk to Sean, though, uh, Sean runs our Facebook page, so... He does. He will be happy to, I guess, berate you for your questions, which is, uh, I think, the only thing I've seen you do so far. I mean, I don't go... Yeah, I mean... I... <laughs> Like posts, I like the episodes. Yeah, okay, fair. Sean, I, I found a new, bigger, drier rock that you can live under. Oh. <laughs> 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 All right, I need to get out of here. I don't want to be in the room with this people. All right, so let's sign off then. All right, my name's Kenneth Smith. My name's Sean Crossan. I'm Michael Pace. And everybody remember... Stay classy. You don't need good science right. to make a good movie. Mm, stay classy. Stay classy. <laughs> stay, make sure you stay classy. <laughs> That's so stupid. Stay classy. Hey, yeah. stay classy. Okay. Need to take your Cristal Pepsi. What if I hold on real quick? What if I put a hat on with the bill in the front, but then right before we start recording, turn it around? Like I mean business. <laughs> like you're like uh, like I'm about again, to sling some pokeballs. Youngster Kenan wants to battle. <laughs> we're we're not making an audio medium. So it's it's not. No, we are exactly making an audio medium. Is an audio medium a person? <laughs> well, who fuck. Expo- <laughs> a visual medium. medium. Are we making? Is an audio medium someone who expunges ghosts? This, this looks like water. Do you think it's carbonated though? It's it's fucking Pepsi. It's you, probably carbonated. You don't know that. Hey everybody, welcome to the real wow, podcast. This, <laughs> this is March twentieth of two thousand seventeen. Are you some sort of animal?